Hello and welcome everybody to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. It's Aurelien, I'm here with Glenn and Darcy. And today we will be discussing appreciation investing. And uh, Glenn, would you like to get, to get us started today? Sure, yeah. So uh, first I'll post a, a question to you guys. Like appreciation investing, is that not just speculating? Is there a difference? Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what I'm going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> whenever I do my deal analysis, when I'm sending it out to a JV or a private money lender or the bank, appreciation is not in the deal. A bank won't let you put appreciation in the deal as far as I've ever seen. Um, nope. So it is not in the deal. It shouldn't be in uh, when you're pitching a JV or anything like that. Um, it, when, it, when it is in the deal, it's people forcing their numbers to make them something so that they're actually substantial enough to invest in, right? They're pushing something, another number in there because you can sit there and manipulate these numbers to make them what you need them to be, right? So that, in my opinion, that's what they're doing when they're adding appreciation into it. So why don't my deals have appreciation in it? First of all, they don't need to. They don't need to have that in there. I've found good enough deals that I don't need to put that in there. A deal should stand on its own without appreciation. That's my opinion. Um, <clears throat> appreciation makes people think uh, they're good at real estate when they're not. Or, <laughs> <laughs> and I have examples. I have examples. And it's not me pointing at other people. It's me pointing at myself. I'm pointing at myself. I'm not going to be that you, you, this guy did this, this guy did this. When I lived in Cambridge, so my neighbor, two doors, actually this first one is about someone else. So I guess I'm, <laughs> I have two examples, right? But um, my neighbor, two doors down, uh, they bought a house or they bought a brand new build. So we, we bought, we we're in a brand new subdivision. I bought second phase, he bought second phase and they were getting into fourth phase, right? And he was seeing like the market was like going nuts. So by buying these new builds, by the time they were done building them, they're worth like hundred, 200, thousand dollars more than you bought them for right so he's mm -hmm. like i'm gonna go buy i have some spare cash i'm gonna use it as the deposit i'm gonna go buy in phase four just the other side of the building or other side of the the, the lots here right <clears throat> and guess what even in canadian real estate this is probably three years ago or two years ago it has slight dips it didn't go down a lot but when he finished the project he was expecting to be up uh 100 dollars and it yeah. turned out he was down twenty five thousand. Wow. It wasn't down a lot, but that's what they were selling for was 25000 below what he'd bought it for, right? And to give an idea, um, he was not an experienced investor. <clears throat> he came over and he, he's like, glad you do real estate. Let's uh, let's just chit chat in the front yard. And I said, sure, right? Um, and he goes, so this is what's happened. It uh, We're down about twenty five grand from where I could sell it for, plus realtor fees, so a little bit more than that. So... Um, I'm thinking of renting. So I don't know anything about renting. Um, wanna, if I go over my numbers, you cool with saying if you're up or good or bad? And I'm like, sure, no problem. So he goes, okay, so I pay this much mortgage. I pay this much insurance. I pay this much in tax. And I'm going to rent out my own house and I'm going to move into the brand new one because they're basically the same one. They want the one that's four years newer, right? So I'm going to do that. <clears throat> and I go, okay, so then but you got all your numbers. What are you going to rent it for? No, no, that's what I'm going to rent it for. I'm going to rent it for what it costs. And I went, oh, and I'm like, okay, like, I'm a, uh, before I give you an answer, let me go talk to my wife. <laughs> and so I ran in the house and I go, Heather, you want to go move two doors down? She's like, are you nuts? <laughs> and I go, look, 
we can rent it at cost. We can pull all the equity out of our house, which is like almost doubled in price. And I can go buy more real estate. <laughs> we can rent at cost two doors down because <laughs> the guy is open to renting it at cost, right? So um, the thing is with this, guess what? Appreciation saved them. It, it boomed right back up. Things worth $200,000, $300,000 more than where it is. Does that mean that he's a genius? Obviously not. Obviously not. He is, uh, he's not an educated real estate investor at all. There is zero chance he listens to this show or any shows about real estate. Um, and he, he just, there, there's a lot of people out there buying these things just because they assume it will always go up. It'll always go up at 20% per year forever. Right. Um, so um, about that. So we're talking inflation. There's inflation that's factored in to all this real estate. And yeah. this is not how it actually works, but this is how I think of it in my mind. Right. So I know you guys are Darcy and I are going to shake their head. Glenn, you're stupid. This is a stupid idea. But um, I think of inflation kind of like a tax. Right. So that you, you, you pay extra every year, things get more expensive. But then uh, appreciation is the counter tax. Like with everything in, um, in real estate, there's always tax benefits to doing it. And when you do appreciation, you get the money back. So the appreciation is the counter to the inflation, right? Um, usually they're around the same place, but they're right now it's out of whack. But a lot of times it's kind of, kind of similar. So I kind of think of it, if you're in real estate, you're gonna get the opposite side of that by being in, you know, just by being in real estate. So next one, my story. So one of my, my first duplex and probably my fourth real estate in, uh, investment property that I ever bought. We bought it for, I think it was $200,000 um, for a duplex in Cambridge, Ontario. Uh, it's probably now worth about 600,000, <laughs> so you know. Um, yeah. We did everything wrong. No, I think this was our second. This is our second property, right? And so we did everything wrong. Everything broke. The tenants had utility fights, which I don't know if you guys have ever had this. They had shared utilities. So whenever one person was having a shower, the other one would turn on the laundry and just screw with the neighbor tenant, right? Just take all the water pressure. They do this back and forth. And really who paid the price was me, right? We were paying the utilities for this duplex. Um, so yeah, they ran the bills right up. Um, we had bad tenants. The water line broke. Um, if you've ever had a water line break, um, <clears throat> insurance come, covers water that's inside the house. <clears throat> uh, the city covers from the meter out. If it breaks in the middle, guess whose bill it is? It is yours. At least in yep. Cambridge, it's yours. So that broke. That was a huge bill. Uh, I was green. Uh, they suggested that we get a badger truck in. That's the most expensive way to possibly fix a water line break. <laughs> so yeah, you're at like a, a $10,000 bill to start. Um, yep. Just to just suck it up and move the dirt around. Um, so I did poor screening. Uh, the house fell apart. The basement flooded. It flooded and ruined everything. Um, we should have lost our shirts. But in the end of it, the, we, we'd had that property for two years before we finally said enough and we got rid of it. It appreciated a ton. I don't remember the exact numbers. I didn't go look it up beforehand. But we made a bunch of money. We made a good chunk of money. I think we, I'm just going to be lying if I guess at what the numbers were. But we made money on this thing, right? Yeah. We shouldn't have made money on this thing. If we, yeah. uh, we'd made so many mistakes through the whole thing, if it was a flat market, we would have lost a lot of money. That probably, if we would have bought it for 200 and sold it for 200, we would have lost a lot of money. But we looked like geniuses 
because the market just took off, right? And we got to take the ride for two years, right? Where things were going up like 30% a year, right? Whatever it was, right? So did that mean that we were good investors or did we know what we're doing? At that time, I didn't had never done any education. Um, I was, my, my education came from hands-on because my parents did own a duplex when I was growing up, but that's it. That's, they had one, one duplex, right? Um, so <clears throat> I didn't have the education at that point. And anyway, that's how I kind of look at it. And that's how I look at inflation. It is, it bails a lot of people out and yeah. a lot of these Canadian investors and American investors, everybody, how's that, how's the saying go? Um, everybody looks, uh, looks good until the water tide goes out. No, how's it something about skinny dipping and do you know that saying? <laughs> no, I haven't heard it. <laughs> uh, I'm butchering this so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and there's someone listening going, I know this one. I know this one. <laughs> well, Tom, write in the chats and help us out. Yeah, write in the chat. But, you know, everyone looks like, you know, everyone, I don't know how it goes, until the water goes out, until the tide goes out, and then you see that everyone's sitting that there. Yeah. yeah, they're not looking good, right, um, yeah. until, until you do that. And so right now, everyone who's in real estate at, at all looks like they're doing good because we're getting so much appreciation. And you won't really know until there is a difference in the market. When the market yeah. takes a dip or the market in, the interest rates go up or any of this stuff happens, which will happen, it always happens. Real estate is a cycle. But whenever it starts to dip, you'll see who actually knew what they were doing and who was buying too close to market value and who was buying, basing their whole thing on these things going up forever. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I like that you put... Um... Uh, personal stories in there made it uh, grounded it in experience um i would add i see a difference between like you asked if it's speculating or gambling that's the same thing appreciation um and whether the deal has it in it our northern properties uh they didn't increase in value for almost 25 years so they weren't purchased with spec with a speculative appreciation in mind I mean, I think you look at it and go, well, you know, overall, and there's claims made and they've got history on it that housing goes up between three and a half to four point something percent annually, you know, on average over a, like a 50 to 100 years time span. And part of that is, as Glenn said, it's inflation, it's cost of labor, the cost of materials, houses get bigger. You know, we're comparing a 1950s bungalow, which is barely over a thousand square feet to the average house that was built in 2015 in North America was 2,700 square feet. That's, you know, two and a half times larger. Of course, it's going to be more expensive. Um, you know, if you put in labor costs, uh, you know, some sort of supply and demand items there, you're going to get some variation, some price. Um, so we bought properties that had no um, appreciation from the market and the upside. Uh, rents outside of the urban centers have been largely flat for 30 years. You rent a space for a hair salon in a small town at $7 a square foot. You rent for a dental office, it's $10.50. You know, that kind of range. Yep. Whereas in the city, it's three times more than that. And depends, if you're downtown, it could be $60 a square foot. We haven't seen those kind of rents, you know, in the hinterland. And in small cities in the States, I imagine it's exactly the same. You don't see commercial rents changing that much. Um, so, you know, with that, with that in mind, um, I see a difference in two types of appreciation. I have to credit my nephew, Jason Einberg, with um, the idea of, I don't know uh, his idea, he calls it forced appreciation. I just call it hard work. You know, there's appreciation that's come from the market where you just get lucky and you get bailed out by a rising tide that floats all boats. But it's that same tide that Glenn talks about 
that goes down and reveals, you know, the muddy bottom of the bay uh, every 12 hours. So there's a cycle to this. And when it comes, it is like a wave. 2008, there's a few people. I, I watched that movie um, uh, with, the, oh, shoot. It's fantastic about the... Oh, um, um, with Batman. What's the guy? Plays a genius who sees this all coming. Um, I've watched it at least three times. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, I know what you're talking about too. Yeah, and it came with a liquidity crisis and a whole bunch of, it's a perfect storm of bad real estate and bad real estate practices. But in Canada, we are largely insulated against that. We saw a little dip. You know, when America, America got pneumonia, we got a cold and we're over it in a weekend. That's probably, you know, difference in banking here. We just don't work the same way as for, uh, they do. But I wouldn't say the difference between appreciation, it's just luck, blind luck, uh, or hope, and that's not a business plan, and forced appreciation. And that's just hard work. Um, you put your head down and you work on a property. So we expect when we purchase, because we're buying distressed properties, that if we fix the water, if we fix the utilities and the leaky windows, and we'd fix the you know 25 to 30% vacancy, that the building will go up in value and we will force the value up by hard work and applying our capital strategically. So I do I do put that into our calculation because we have evidence. That's different though. That's 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 forced appreciation. I have yeah, that in mind too, because I'm trying to force an extra bedroom or bathroom and then I'll exactly. compound against a different level, right? Yeah. But I want to make sure that there's, there's we see the difference between that. One's just kind of hope and the other is a plan. And between the hope and the plan is a, a great golf of just willingness. You know, so the usual things, cleaning them up. You know, you can improve property value just by cleaning up, pick the garbage up. We bought a property with four dumpsters. I'm talking, not those blue things that are behind a, a, a cafe, but those giant 20 feet long, six foot deep dumpsters. We took four dumpsters of garbage off this property. I mean, that made it more valuable at the end of the weekend. Um, then we fixed it up, everything is broken and we proved it and you know, build it up. Those kind of things can, We've doubled our equity in a building in 17, 18 months, just with hard work um, and proved it with an appraisal. But that's, you know, fixing everything that leaks, uh, applying capital, it's costly time, creativity and your capital, applying your capital to it. Totally doable, um, but there's a big, big difference. Um, and I think that's where the juice comes. You know, you might, uh, uh, rental real estate and commercial real estate, you're still largely a single digit profit kind of company. It's under 10% annually. You got some portion of that you're paying down your principal that you're gonna get taxed on and your free cash from operations. And they'll be in the single digit range usually. The real juice in the deal will come at, you know, through refinance or on the back end through sale of the asset. Um, and that could be in, you know, significant double digits if you allow time and good work to, you know, apply and settle in and stew on the property. But um, and I, you know, so I account, I account for that, but you can't count it until you sold the asset or refinanced it. I guess that's the difference. Are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, a friend of mine has a, has a condo in downtown Toronto and he always made fun of me for investing, for listening to Robert Kiyosaki and uh, investing for cash flow because he believes in appreciation and, uh, yeah. and, and I don't, uh, it turns out my investments have appreciated and um, uh, other area, other because other investors have discovered the areas where I was investing. Uh, but I still invest for cash flow. That's what that's what I'm looking for when I when I invest. And and I think um, 
there is one way. So there is forced appreciation, I agree. And there is, there is another way. Uh, when you look at the market cycles, uh, you can, if you invest in an, in an area where supply is scarce, uh, prices will increase. Uh, therefore, the importance to invest in areas you have researched, uh, you've done your due diligence beforehand, before even looking for deals, just look at areas with job growth, because job growth will mean population growth, which means that until you know new development, new inventory comes to the market, comes online, uh, there will be a shortage of um, available properties. So the prices will go up. Um, and I, I agree that uh, appreciation is speculation. Personally, I don't really like it. I invest for cash flow. And like Darcy was saying, you know, I prefer forced appreciation by renovating units, you know, you increase their value, you rent them out for more, you increase your NOI, and that way increasing um, uh, the income. So I, I'm, I'm also uh, all for forced appreciation in that context through work. Yeah, there's an opportunity. I think Ari has touched on it too. For a savvy investor, um, you, you, you could look in areas that are, but well, could, you should look in areas that are over undervalued and overlooked. Um, you know, for it's popular to, to invest in Vancouver. Why wouldn't you? Uh, except you may not have enough money. Um, there's lots of reasons to invest in Vancouver. Uh, the only thing is you just can't afford it. If you're looking at, honestly, it's two and a half cap rates, 2.3. I mean, that's lower than the interest rates right now. So you're, you're, there's no room for anything there. Um, so if you're looking at those kind of numbers, but you know, your vacancy rate is less than one. That means you got lineups for every suite that you have to rent. Um, but there's a limit to what people can pay. Um, yep. So what you could look, and that's what we've done a bit of, is looking in markets that are overlooked, that have sound fundamentals, as Ari says, job growth, universities are expanding, airports are expanding, there's lots of infrastructure growth. But for whatever reason, there's latency, that there's a perception in that market that it's not as valuable, it's not worthwhile. Maybe it's a bit smaller. Um, little bit outside of the you know where the banks are where they loan and you can find opportunities there i mean you know, right now we're investing in edmonton which means you know, we'll find out if it's a good idea or not but we've been um pretty happy with that uh, i like i like edmonton as a city it's a government city the it's the ottawa of the west how about that <laughs> how do you like that the crazy ottawa of the west. <laughs> so you know uh, there's that there's there's that opportunity and it's what you're looking for is latent value that hasn't been realized yet. And that's a bit of speculation to that looking at and going, why is this held back? What, what reasons might be at play here for why these aren't worth the same. But that's, that's, it was, see, in my opinion, that's not the same thing because you're, you're looking for an opportunity it, and you're looking for, you know, where the train's going to go, where the highway is going to go, where something is going to go. And that is more than just saying this market goes up by 20% every year. And this place will go up 20%. Yeah. But you're asking yourself, why is Edmonton below behind um, Red Deer or, you know, Lethbridge? Why are, you know, why are the costs lower than, than these other much smaller, riskier towns? Well, maybe they're not riskier. I don't know. But there is a measure of, uh, you know, looking at the market that we play with a little bit, find opportunities. Okay, great. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in and uh, we hope you, you found some value today. And, uh, 
As always, if you want us to cover any questions you may have, feel free to email us at advancedreitalk at gmail.com. It's advancedreitalk at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Hey, it's only when the tide goes out that you learn who's been swimming naked. <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> and there is another quote, <laughs> that one by Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> yep. 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 I've used that from time to time. I like that. It's only when the tiger's out to see you been swimming naked. I like that too. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.